Hello, hello, hello. Greetings, ladies, gentlemen, and all concerned parties. My name is Jaden Abbott, and you're listening to The Fashion Cast. Funny I say that I got that name wrong last week. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's been quite the week, um, for me at least. It's, it's, I'm sure for the rest of you it was lovely. Um, this episode was supposed to go up on July 4th. Maybe it's a little bit behind. I don't know, but happy Independence Day, everyone. Happy day where we signed a document that said hey no more rule and then fought for like another 10 years so you know um thanks thomas jefferson i guess um speaking of thomas jefferson did you guys see the hamilton uh uh, taping on on disney plus i thought it was really cool i never got to see the show in person i really like it so you know i don't know if that's considered a plugging (laughs) plugging Lin-Manuel Miranda, I don't know anyone that hasn't really heard about it yet, but I uh, recommend the watch. It's, it's a good time. Um, totally unrelated, you might notice something different this week. Actually, you definitionally notice nothing different because you are either still listening on Spotify and Apple Music or you're watching on YouTube, in which case you didn't watch last week. So this, this refers to nothing. The point I'm making is that we have video this week and I'm looking into a camera. If I look terrible, if, if, if it is terrible, let me know. And I will take your feedback and do probably nothing with it because, to be honest, my bosses will either rip me over the coals or they won't. Yeah, we're in video now. That's fun. That's something. Um, if you, if you, if um, I am not looking at the camera the entire time, I apologize. Um, but you know that kind of eye contact is creepy. Are you? Hold up one sec. Are you creeped out yet? Is it? Is it scary yet? I, I realize that gag. Um probably won't work for most of our listeners so i have no idea how that's going to get done in editing um i guess i'm going to figure it out it's funny that i'm the person that edits this crap too because most of my antics make editing somewhat difficult and that is great if i'm not the one editing but insofar as i'm the one doing the editing i'm playing myself every day um wow two minutes in and i haven't discussed the episode topic so who's tired of quarantine i know i am in all due seriousness, with travel restrictions being lifted in states as the days go by, whether or not it's advisable to do so, we're at least getting the opportunity to go outside, but a lot of people still don't have that opportunity or are just taking the precaution not to, and I understand that it can get a little stressful. So, I could recommend things for you to watch on Netflix, but I imagine you've already seen The Tiger King, So, which, wild crap, we can talk about that on another show, but like wild. If you haven't seen The Tiger King, you can, in the comments, ask me for my Netflix password, and I'll definitely give it to you. That was definitely a lie. But the point I was making was with travel restrictions being lifted in a number of states, and very few states really maintaining the same degree of social distancing that we were for a long time, which again, advisable or not, is happening, we're getting the opportunity to go outside for the first time in quite a bit. And that means that our fashion sense, believe it or not, has been influenced by our, the time we spent inside. What do I mean by this? That's this week's episode topic, because guess what we're talking about? Fashion psychology. What's that? You're going to learn about it in a second. Play, play the thing. Oh, you ain't got no style. Fashion. 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 Fashion cast. Welcome to Fashion Cast, hosted by Cloak Market. I'm sure your first question is, what the hell is fashion psychology? Jaden, if fashion psychology is a thing, why are you qualified to talk about it? And if fashion psychology is a thing, is it in any way relevant to me? To which I will respond, you'll find out, no, and probably not. But 
doesn't matter. It's interesting. And that's why I wanted to talk about it this week. So let's chat. So what spawned kind of my, oh, that S was really gross. Did you hear that? That's probably headphone users. I'm sorry. Or maybe I'm not sorry. Um, When we do our ASMR episode, that kind of content will be really valuable. I should save that. Um, no, God, if we ever do an ASMR episode, I'm, my job is useless. I, I no longer have reason for employment. Anyway, there was a New York Times article that I found this week um, that talked about fashion psychology, and I thought it was interesting because it's something that I'd never heard of. And to be honest, it's really important to think about because it interacts with a lot of different things. So before we get started talking about it specifically, I'm going to give you a couple of definitions, kind of like I did last week. Um, fashion psychology in this context is one, not like a codified thing. It's not like a thing that you could like open the DSM and find per se, I guess. So don't look at it as such a, a hard and fast field, even though I think the research surrounding it is quite solid. Um, it, it's, it's more this this theory that's being developed by by a professor that I'm going to I'm going to cite in a second. And it deals not just with the psychological, but with the sociological. So it's also dealing with things like how fashion interacts with the way we perceive each other, um, group think in fashion, things like this. All of these kind of like psychological, but also sociological kind of concepts interface when we talk about fashion psychology. And so in order for me to effectively establish what really we're going to be dealing with this week, I think it's going to be important to be mindful about its kind of loose definition because that is important when we when we think about these kinds of things. But I, I, I think to speak broadly, fashion and clothing and the way that we choose to present ourselves will always be some kind of psychological reflection on who we are. So take that as you will as we go through today's episode. I'm doing this gesture a lot because I don't know what to do to a camera. And so this means, do you understand me, homie? What's good? Give me money. To my headphone listeners, this episode is going to make no damn sense to you, but I promise I'll commence with the funny ha-has as soon as I possibly can. And to be honest, if you came to this show expecting me to be funny, I'm sorry. Anywho, just so you know, the New York Times article is titled The Dress Doctor is In. It was published on April 12th, 2018. If this goes up on YouTube, um... I will, or or honestly, any service, I can ask them to link this specific article in the description if you're interested in reading more. I always like to give my sources, you know, so you guys can do maybe deeper research than I did and and educate me because, to be honest, I don't know if my job is to educate you so much as to, like, entertain you for a half an hour or rather give you a target to make fun of for half an hour because education is uh, not not what this show has, has been about it's not what most of my shows have been about historically if you, you listen to my other work it's a uh, education is a loose framework i use to defend saying on a microphone for an hour so here's the other fun fact about the thing i just said i have no clue whether or not i'm allowed to swear on this show or what the guidelines of any of the streaming services were on so if you heard that uncensored then i got the green light at some point if if, if it's censored then uh uh, uh, change the age rating on, on the show or something. I've always wanted to be on a, a TV 14. I feel like I'm a TV 14 kind of guy. Like I'm, I, <laughs> what does that mean? What I mean when I say I'm a TV 14 kind of guy is I don't think here's, I got a tier list. I got a tier list because, because you, you might think that these kind of ratings only apply to, 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 to shows or movies or maybe video games, but that's, that's not true. Um, so everyone knows their TV Y7s, right? And those are your friends that are like, 
they're nice. If, you, if you've ever gone out to a club, if you're old enough to go out to clubs or, or bars, they, they're making sure everyone's hydrated. They got a drink. I don't think, you know, you've never heard them swear. Um, they, they probably, you, you, the, the idea of them engaging in anything that isn't like recreational book reading after the hour of 9 p.m. Kind of, you're like, well, do you do you do something like that? Those are your TVY7s. And everyone knows a couple of those, right? Then you got your TV-14s, and I might be skipping a rating there. I've never seen one in between, so I should probably look this up, but I'm, I'm, we're free-balling this bit, so oh well, you're, you're, we're doing it in post, everyone. So your TV-14s, th that's where I come in, right? Um, and, and those are your people that are, like, a little edgy, but they weren't cool enough to make the TV-MA rating, right? And 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 so we're, we, we do things like podcasting to, to remind the world that we're relevant. And we can be a little edgy sometimes. We can be a little funny. We can be a little bad. But 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 really, we're, we're a little washed out. Like in reality, we're we're trying our hardest to be remembered in a way that is pretty cool. But we don't cleanly fit into either camp. So the network that sponsors us is just trying to do the best they can with what they've got. I don't know what that metaphor means in this context, but um, if, if the network are my bosses, yikes. If the network are my parents, yikes. If the network is society, yikes. Um, and then so the last category I want to talk about the TV MAs, right? And obviously they're the, they're the mature people, and they're they're like. Believe it or not, you think they're like the, the the dirty ones or something, right? They're not. They're they're the they're just the high maturity ones. They're the people that honestly don't have to engage in all that wild behavior to prove that to prove that they're they're they they have their crap together. Maybe this is your friend that like for some reason already has like a nice apartment and a steady job, even though you're still in college or whatever. You know, it's it's your friend that like when they were twelve, they already had like a tentative, you know, twenty year plan for how they were gonna get into the White House. They're that friend, you know. Um and those are those are um those are those are the people as TV as TV ratings. Oh, there's also uh, I think TV XXX, but I shouldn't have to explain that one. And if I do, you should not be listening to this show. Anyway, let's go. The Dress Doctor is in is a New York Times article by Jennifer Miller, written in 2018. And here's the thing. I mentioned earlier that fashion psychology wasn't a hard and fast science, and I want I want you to keep be mindful of that while I explain to you the kind of tenets that um, the professional goes through. Because the woman being mentioned is Dawn Karen. Um, she is a she's a therapist and an instructor at FIT, which, if you don't know, by the way, is the Fashion Institute of Technology. I think most people probably know that, but if you don't, there it is. Um, which is which is funny because this is now the second week in a row I have I have mentioned FIT on this show, and honestly, the first time it was like borderline sarcastic so maybe like mentioning FIT will just be a recurring joke for us like I'll just every show remind me to say FIT and I'll do it like if I don't say FIT hold me to it in the comments like honestly call call my call my call my studio and say he didn't say FIT this week he didn't mention anything about them and they're gonna say I don't know what you mean the, the reason by the way I I want to mention this is that her her name is Don Karen but presumably, and based on the context of this article and, and the research she's done, she's a professor. And so I think the idea that there is a Professor Karen in the world really just really just tickles me in a different way. Because colloquial internet slang, um, a Karen refers to a specific uh, sort of person. And Professor Karen, one can only imagine what that means. And I would do a bit on it, but I think it's way funnier to let your imaginations run wild. Point being, she is a self-described fashion psychologist, and that is specifically, quote, that she pays close attention to the relationship between attire and attitude, not just how clothes make you look, but how they make you feel.
She goes on later in the article to define fashion psychology more specifically as, quote, study and treatment of how color, image, style, and beauty affects human behavior while addressing cultural norms and cultural sensitivities. So as you can kind of tell by that definition, we're including a cultural component, which is why I talked about sociology at the top, that it isn't just an individualistic behavior, but it is one influenced by your society and culture, which should be pretty obvious, but I think it's important to remember the distinction because it's easy to get muddy and to be honest shout out to all my psychologist friends who like know their field is like consistently like trampled on so i, I got you shout out to to my therapist too um he, he got me mainly but i got you for this one thing here you know um uh, comment in the comments if you have a therapist don't do that don't i'm not <laughs> i'm not really asking for that please don't um um oh geez <laughs> There are so many blunders in advertising and fashion, said Professor Karen, who is African-American. She points it to missteps, including H&M using a black child to bottle its coolest monkey in the jungle sweatshirt. Yikes. Zara's miniskirt with the alt-right symbol Pepe the Frog. Stop. I never understood this. Apparently, Pepe the Frog is like an alt-right thing. Um, This is going to be like one of my less political episodes, but just someone explain it to me. I don't get it. Like, this is not me being facetious or, or putting on a character, you know, and the caricature that I do for you all is routinely both obnoxious and self-important. So it's not like I, it's in any way useful for me to pretend I don't know something. I have no clue how this developed. So maybe I'll do an episode on that. In reality, I almost definitely won't. So, so someone can educate me about that. Do it and don't be mean about it. Please, please. All right, if you can't help yourself, just tell me anyway. The point is people are speaking out, and she kind of insinuates that this is why we need fashion psychologists on an advisory team, meaning that it, they would just be people who are, like, culturally sensitive and or, like, have their ear to the ground and are really capable of understanding that these sorts of things have implications. And this is what I want to talk about for a second, because even though that sounds easy, like, it just sounds like they need a PR person, like, oh, yeah, you just need someone that's going to not be stupid. Um, I assume that Dove, H&M, and Zara all have PR people. I think that's the point that she's making, that there's actually very little recognition of the way in which fashion intersects with society on a professional level. And I know a lot of our listeners are people who want to get involved in fashion. Do this. Be, be the person that, that starts things like this, not just because I think it is like good for marginalized groups, but because I think it makes you stand out probably. And it's a staple, I hope, to exist in that industry because it doesn't have to only be like these watchdogs for people of color. They can very easily also just be like, hey, this particular line of clothing might be a little insensitive given the current social climate, be it like political unrest or whatever is going on or just like hey given your target demographic it might be really strange because this particular demographic has these sorts of psychological norms associated with them i think that's probably very helpful if, if i had to guess i mean if you're an aspiring fashion designer chances are you uh don't have a lot of money to spend on superfluous personnel so I think the point is um, it might be a good thing to think about going forward and I hope that you know if we if we if we use this podcast to engender any kind of change maybe that's part of the change that we engender I don't know I like it I or I don't like it you know one of the two Professor Karen tells us that there's an online institute where she teaches courses that uh, deal with these sorts of issues, but she also wants to hopefully make it more of a bread and butter course at FIT. So people who go to FIT who are listening to my show and are now like universally hate me because all I do is dunk on your school you can you can get on this. I found this particular passage quite interesting. Quote, the fashion industry speaks so much about memory, problem solving, and nostalgia, said Carolyn Mayer, who founded the programs and now runs a consulting firm. And yet in the industry, these psychological concepts lack academic rigor and training. Oh, that kind of speaks to what I was talking about above, just the fact that like, 
for some reason, this isn't something that has a lot of deep studies going on about it. And FYI, the people that are doing this are relatively young. Um, Professor Karen's only like 29 or something. So, yeah, you know, it's a kind of, you know, emerging field. So if any of you are just interested in getting getting into it, um, I highly recommend it. Hopefully this show, I can say this show did like one good thing and it's in its run. All right. So we're going to transition away from the New York Times article now over to a different article that I read um, at the APA, which is um, the American Psychological Association. For starters, it's not actually an article, it's an interview It's that was done on a podcast, which, can we talk about this for a second? I want to know what level of meta I am that on episode two of this show, I am quoting another podcast, because let me tell you, before we talk about the article, let's talk about something. I like podcasts. I think anyone that hosts a show has to like podcasts. I think anyone that, that works in a medium should ideally be a fan of that media as well. Perhaps not always, but I, I dare say it will, it will make you better. And here's here's the thing. I only have really two goals when I do a show. Um, one is to, to make a good show that I, I think is funny, that I think is worth putting my time and effort to. And, and two is to engage with other podcasts. And here's what I mean by that. Because as a fan of podcasts, I have a lot of shows I'd love to work with, a lot of creators that I would love to just, you know, that I'd, you maybe get on get on the show or get on their show or just be able to do some kind of collaboration for both for you guys and and because I, I'm a huge dork for certain shows. Um, if, you, if you're curious about it, um, we can talk about it later. But there's another reason I want to interact with podcasts. And that's because I've always wanted beef. Let me explain. So, um, you know how rappers have beef? Like... You know, like Eminem, Machine Gun Kelly, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I, I wanted beef, but obviously I am not a rapper. And so that was never really an option. And then two, uh, those of you that can see me in the cameras can see me gesticulating to myself. Those of you that cannot, um, just take my word for it, I'm like wimpy and scrawny. So real beef just means I get hurt. So so I can't actually have real beef in, in real in real life. So, so I need podcast beef. And so similarly, I, I thought it was always a dream of mine to start podcast beef between maybe a podcast like this one and a rival podcast that I don't respect enough to want like on the show. And I would say the podcast of the American Psychological Association might be that show. So that's right. I'm, I'm calling you out APA uh, podcasters, episode 83, writers, psychology of fashion. Um, you think you can step on our turf? We're going to step on your turf next. Next week's episode is going to be psychology uh, again. It occurs to me that maybe citing them on my show means that I've already lost. So perhaps, perhaps not. We're not going to do the beef. Maybe, maybe the beef is just not a... Uh... Anyway, the podcast is really, really interesting because firstly, the expert on is Carolyn Mayer. She has a PhD. Um, and she um, she created the psychology of fashion department at the London College of Fashion. So she's like very qualified to speak about these things. But I, I found the article really interesting, specifically when it talks about uniforms, because if you work in the service industry or any job that like has a uniform or an attire that they make you wear. And by the way, in this context, uniform is just like a standard garment run uh, worn by your, your profession. So lawyers have uniforms, too. Right. You know, going to work in a, in a suit and tie is a, is a form of uniform. Any any space in which you're expected to wear certain things that perhaps you might ordinarily wear is a uniform. And I bring this up because uh, Carolyn Merritt tells us later in the show, quote, uh, you know, in London, you can wear absolutely anything you want and nobody looks at all. I think it's great that people can wear what they want, whether it's active wear or casual wear to work. I think it's a positive move. 
For lots of people, working in a formal suit doesn't represent their true selves or their self-identity, and so they likely struggle to do the kind of job that they want to do if they were free to choose what clothes they wear. And she talks about herself a, a little bit later. So it's interesting to hear that your, your uniform can actually impede your ability to work if you're uncomfortable. Later on in the interview, she goes on to talk about um, uh, Silicon Valley and, and places like that, where, where the uniform is a little bit more casual, where we wear like things like uh, you know, you know, it, it, it's kind of on a lot of startups, it's favored to to look and dress more casually because there's an active differentiation between more rigid originalist fields. She, so she, she, she tells us, and this is a quote again, I think there's an important part about cognitive resources because if you're stressed about what you're wearing or if you're thinking about what you're wearing, you don't really have the capacity to think fully on the job at hand. You know, worrying is it appropriate if I've dressed correctly for the meeting and then I'm going to another meeting, I think that I think a work uniform frees up time in the morning. You don't have to make decisions about what to wear in the day, but it's also efficient at work because you won't get comments on what you're wearing. I think it's rare that people would say, oh, you're wearing the same thing every day. Here's the kind of uh, rub of that, that it's the, it's the argument for uniforms that like wearing the same thing every day you know, just makes it so everyone's kind of da da da, no one, no jealousy. If, if you've ever been to a school that mandates uniforms, I think you get kind of that that whole argumentation there. I, fun fact, just didn't go to a school that, that required uniforms. And in fairness, I don't think it was a big problem. I never really, really got kind of that end of, oh, people were making fun of you because what of what you wore. I'm sure it happened. High school is awful. If any of our listeners are in high school, I'm so sorry. If any of our listeners are out of high school, I think you get what I mean. If any of our listeners liked high school, stop listening. Oh, I'm kidding. Please keep listening. We need all the listeners we can get. But I do like this argument, more specifically, more to the point about like cognitive resources and that it produces some kind of ontological harm when you have to wonder about whether or not you are dressed appropriately for a venue. And I think that kind of thing might actively have like just product productivity ramifications. Jobs are always going on about maximizing productivity and making sure workers do the best thing they can, which even though we all know is kind of BS, if they really care about it, maybe uniforms are the next thing to go. Like maybe if I don't have to worry if I look stupid or funny or you know, if I'm abiding by social norms, perhaps it either means that everybody wears uniforms all the time, which I don't think is likely because that will probably make, you know, produce its own kind of stress or, you know, no uniform, just, just dress, just dress how you want. Um, there's a, there's a passage here that I also want to read that speaks to this point, but less because I think it is salient and more because I think it's hysterical. Quote, while it's stressful for us if we don't feel comfortable in what we're wearing, if we're really worrying if it's appropriate or suitable, or we don't feel confident in what we're wearing, it stresses us, and this means that we don't have the cognitive capacity to deal with the problem at hand. This is why lots of successful people tend to work tend to wear a work uniform, not necessarily as suits, but it may be a t-shirt and jeans if we've seen with Mark Zuckerberg, who wears the same items every day, to allow this freeing up of cognitive capacity for more important issues. And then, you know, for me, this might be mean going to a meeting wearing something we've worn before and knowing that it's suitable because it's appropriate and we won't have to worry about it at that time. Um, so can we just talk about the insinuation that Mark Zuckerberg wears a t-shirt and jeans is because he needs to free up his cognitive capacity? You heard it here first, folks. Mark Zuckerberg is so 10,000 IQ galaxy brain, he just can't be bothered to, to, to dress in anything above a t-shirt and jeans. Mark Zuckerberg, please don't smite me. Like, I, you could you could buy and sell everything that I am. I beg you, come on my show. Bruh. We've learned, to dare I say today, a couple succinct ways that you can improve your mental health through fashion because I wanted to talk about 
at least I wanted to talk briefly about how your mental health affects your fashion, how it changes what you were likely to wear. And there are lots of color theory articles to the subject. You know, I think more non-specifically, we can probably say things like, oh, you know, wearing black means something, something, something. But to be honest, kind of a load of, load of BS on that. And certainly nothing with a whole lot of comprehensive proof surrounding it um, that I can make definitive assertions about. So rather than doing that and, and, and tell you something that is just not helpful because, you know, who cares if the way I think influences the way I dress, I'm going to do the opposite and tell you how you can dress to just, just, I'd say dress for success, but honestly just dress to like feel better because we're all stuck inside, right? We can sum this up in a couple succinct ways um, so that we can, we just like tally, I guess, what we've learned today. We, for, we learned to take Professor Karen's advice. That's, that's for one. But we, we learned that fashion is a sociological concept that we we learned that it, it 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 the way that brands choose to market themselves are reflections on society and more importantly than any of that we learn that when brands do things that are tactless it has a negative impact on their brand so i think it's important to one be mindful about the brands that you wear period those influence like people that maybe you care about and honestly probably yourself so that's certainly one thing because they have downstream impacts on like again this is the sociology component of what we're talking about society on the whole so that's certainly one one takeaway we can have from today i, th I think another thing we can talk about honestly is this idea of cognitive space when we when we choose what to wear right that we can at least be mindful about whether or not we're comfortable in our clothes because i i i do not know if my my my, my co-conspirators in this endeavor, and that is to say the other people that work in the startup with me, would agree. But honestly, in my opinion, fashion is just whatever makes you feel comfortable. And don't don't be uncomfortable in the clothes you wear. It's stupid. I assure you, unless you are walking the runway and getting paid to wear those clothes, making yourself deeply uncomfortable will will make you read to other people infinitely less favorably than just wearing whatever it is that you like. That's just my take. Maybe it's spicy. I don't really think it is. And so I think this article codifies that idea. When we hear about cognitive space and the mental resources we spend worrying about things, don't dress in way. If you're going to take a test, if you're going to um, go on that date that maybe you were nervous about, although anyone that's nervous about the date, I promise whoever you're dating just isn't isn't all that that's a little bit of a cynical take but i just mean don't don't be nervous um but you go on that date wear things you're comfortable in don't i don't know why you'd wear like fancy clothes to an exam but on a date you certainly would or you'd feel inclined to don't do that wear i guess things that make you look nice but comfortable because i agree that you're not going to feel very comfortable if you don't think that you look nice but i think that everyone can think of nice clothes they have that they loathe wearing and those aren't cool. Like, you may as well just do what you got to do. We also learned that going to an interview in a uniform that is kind of like tried and proven and interview clothes that maybe you have or you've used for other interviews and you can be sort of sure is acceptable is a great way of nailing that interview because you're going to be more calm and comfortable. You're not wasting your cognitive space doing stupid crap like wondering if like the interviewer who is presumably less qualified for the position than you is judging you for, for how you look or how you how you wear. And, and I'm going to put a little bit of personal experience in this. I worked in the legal field uh, for for a bit I, that sounds really pretentious like, like i did more than i did i was a paralegal um and i don't mean to say that i had this you know i worked in the legal field i mean to say that they, because of the positions that i'm interested in i i 
ended up applying for a lot of positions in law firms and things like this. And a lot of law firms, and I imagine the same thing is true with like, you know, accounting firms and, and so on and so forth, and, you know, um, hedge funds and so on and so forth, that there's kind of this attitude that like you, there's a certain look you have to have. You have to come in and, and know your professionalism. And certainly some of the bigger firms that I was applying to at the time were not strict about it explicitly, but very implicitly strict about it. Very, very much could would look you up and down if you didn't quite fit the bill. And we have to really start to question whether or not those are the best practices. I don't know if this air of professionalism certain companies like to exude is worth lower worker productivity. So if you're listening to this podcast and own a company, first of all, how did you find us? Dude, I'm message me to tell me about how successful people find this show and why you're listening to my voice but 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 if you do don't make your workers do that don't don't put them in uniforms that they hate it's a non-trivial part of our lives and this is where we want to calm it down and bring it to Jaden's takeaway of the day whether or not we like to believe it we're always wearing clothes we're mostly wearing clothes and the way that we feel in those clothes has a tremendous impact on us because it's we spend most of our lives in them. And even though we might look at ourselves and pretend, oh, it's like fine, I'm just going to be uncomfortable for a little bit, or I, I think this makes me look good, so of course I'm going to wear it, doesn't actually matter as much as we think it does. Making ourselves uncomfortable for the sake of this abstract notion of fashion is demonstrably more damaging than it is helpful. And if you need, especially during these trying times, help focusing or help calming yourself down if you're struggling with something like anxiety or just kind of a little bit of a more anxious person, wear things that you like, wear things that are comfortable, and don't listen to the way anyone else feels about the the stuff that you wear, because the only person whose opinion that really matters about that stuff is you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll hit you with another episode next week for sure. Don't forget to tell your friends about it like comment subscribe i hate saying that because i feel like a, a youtuber which is atrocious but do do share it. it it helps us a lot it helps me a lot so so if you could please do that that would be lovely i'm jaden abbott this has been the fashion cast thank you so much for listening see you next week